When a new soul comes down to the world, there is a collective elevation arising of that soul's unique, special gift that it was sent to this world to reveal. And that's a very loaded sentence because there are a number of premises, there are a number of what's called a presupposition. There are, there are a number of things that are assumed when we make a, sen- a statement like this. Primarily two. The first being that each soul has something unique to bring to the world, which is intuitive because the Gemara tells us very beautifully, the same way that no two faces are the same, so are each of our consciousness, our, each of our perspectives, each of our unique personalities distinct one from the other. And like Rav Ruben Sasson writes so beautifully in a number of places that there's never been a soul like each of us individually from the beginning of time until this moment, and there never will be from this moment in Jewish history until the end of Jewish history a soul like each of us are. We are each incredibly, incredibly unique, and we are intended in coming down to the world to bring something to the world. That's our intention. Not our intention. That was Hashem's intention that ultimately sent these souls. I mean, this, this is our experience. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience in Olam Hazet, in the, in, the, in the experience of the human condition, the human experience, which all of us are familiar with. So why are we here? Because we bring a pu'ula with us. Hashem intends for us to do something, to accomplish something actively, to actively accomplish each of us in our own realm, each of us in our own sphere of influence, which each of us has, one way or another. So that's presupposition, assumption number one. Assumption number two is that each and every soul is bound up with all of reality. All of reality, not just the other souls, which it would be obvious, you know, that somehow, some way, all of us are connected. Certainly, each nation in and of itself is bound up within the sour of that nation, so to speak, as the, as the Shari Ora and other Mikubalim explain, and that we as a nation are bound up with but that all humanity is connected beyond that, all of creation, all of created being. Just any particle of molecular matter of any kind is wrapped up into the experience of existing in the Olam HaAsiyah. There's a symbiotic relationship between everything that exists. Nothing, no thing within creation on any level, not in this world, not in the Olam Yitzira, not in the Olam Bria, not in the Olam nowhere is there any element that is isolated and exists in a vacuum. It cannot be. It cannot be. That would be a negation of our fundamental belief that we declare multiple times a day, Shema Yisrael Hashem Eloikeinu Hashem Echad. If there's fundamentally achdos at the core, 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 core of everything, so then that means that that achdos filters down through the entire system and everything's going to be interconnected. No matter how far to the periphery, so to speak, of creation you go, because it all emanates from an essential uh, a point, where we're, we're saying it as a metaphor, a point, obviously it's not a physical point, but a conceptual point, an essence that's that's completely simple, that's completely echa, that's completely one, and therefore pulsating with the energy of ahava, as we know, echa gematria is as the same numerical value. 
as Ahava 13, the 13 traits of Rachamim, all of this that sits at the core, the motivating will, the factor that brings everything else into being. So no matter how far you go to the periphery, uh, to the to the to the leaves on a tree that that just fall each of them in their own in their death and their trajectory as they die and fall off the tree that they are connected with every single other element of creation there's a balance there's a great balance and um there are different wisdoms that are revealing these balances in in um in 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 biology and molecular biology and physics um many different ways waves of, of deeper layers of understanding the interconnectivity of everything that is so that means that every neshama that comes down to the world with its special energy that it was sent down to this world to reveal immediately just by that soul a new element is introduced into the equation this grand impossibly complex equation everything is changed Everything is impacted. And here Ibn Achman continues to explain, it's an incredible thing to understand. Kagoyim, for example, Imanashama Shalchacham. If there's a soul that in the grand master plan that already exists and the story's already been told, from the standpoint of a Baruch Hu, who is, as Chazal say, Magid Mirashis Achris, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is able to tell the end all the way from the outset from a place that's that there is no unfolding of past and in present and in future Hashem is just everything in, in, a, in a nekuda every, every teeniest particle of existence that ever will unfold on any level in time and space HaKadosh Baruch was the sum total so to speak of all of that and, 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 and beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond infinitely so Mamela, if this neshama is a neshama of a chacham, that ultimately as the story unfolds will emerge, that, that this person will make the choices that will bring them to this place of learning much wisdom or having the cognitive capacity of becoming a chacham, as a chachma mis'alela'alois. There's a universal elevation to the, to the degree of chachma that exists within all of creation. All the while that this soul is in the world, with its measure of chachma that it is intended to bring to the world, then even before he, the, the, the kid has learned anything, even before the, cognit, the cognitive abilities have developed, it's not a body thing. It's not a, not a brain thing or a heart thing. It's a soul thing. And each of our souls are unique. That's why we are unique physically, as the Gemara tells us. It's not that our, that, our, that our bodies are different and therefore our personalities are different. It's that our, and it's not even that our personalities are different and therefore our souls are different. Our souls are different and therefore our personalities are different, therefore our bodies are different, therefore our circumstances are different. But it all emanates from what we are fundamentally at our core, which is neshamas, which are souls. And because each one of us has our own revelation of the divine, even though more fundamentally we're all one, that's true. But as we come down into this realm, and as we exist in the upper realms beyond the, 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 the boundary of the place where we all melt back into the one. But as we come down into this world, each of us have a different soul. Each of us have different what's called tchunos hanefesh. Each of us are unique. We're, we're completely different. 
even though we're completely the same, but we're completely different. So from the moment that our neshamas come down to the world again, even beyond any physical manifestation or practical, this worldly revelation of what that soul holds, already each and every baby, we have to really respect the baby. You know, obviously it's prevalent for our family. Baruch Hashem, we're blessed with a, a tzaddik of a neshama um, that, we're, that we're nurturing and that we're blessed with, taking care of, our Michael Yahu. So... Each and every baby is a revelation of a unique light that long before we're able to point a finger and see a practical, this-worldly, quantitative impact that this human being has had on existence just by very virtue of their soul having joined this incredible journey of the billions of other souls within billions of other bodies that are experiencing this realm in the, in the human experience, everything changes. All of humanity changes, all of creation changes. And again, it, it's a multivariate, I mean, multi is, is an understatement. It's a multi, 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 multi to, to the billionth variant equation where every human being is part of this symbiotic balance. And it gets more complex than that because it's not just every human being, but it's every animal. And it's every tree, and it's every stone, and it's every breeze, and it's every sound, and it's every color, and everything that exists that together makes up the sum total of the revelation of Elokus, the revelation of divinity in our created realm, the Olamasia. But not to take for granted the, the, um, the contribution that each and every one of us make on our worst day so to speak, when we don't even think that we're contributing anything and sometimes we question our worth and we question our impact and we question our influence and we look and we see that the years are passing by far more quickly than, than we thought we would, that they would. And we look back over decades and we wonder, like, what did I do? And we have to recognize, forget about, forget about what it looks like on the surface. Just by being here, we are part and parcel of the great equation of what's called the Olam Ha'asiyah. We are just by virtue of being a revelation of the divine and a contribution to the collective revelation of all of humanity and deeper, all of creation. And that starts not, again, not just when we're adults and not just when we're developing, you know, our thinking or personalities, just by virtue of being, just by virtue of being an Ishama. Obviously, says Rabbi Nachman, as that neshama begins to develop and the body really catches up in a certain way to develop into an adequate kli, an adequate vessel, which is what the body is, to allow the soul to come to revelation through thought and through speech and through action, whatever that soul's unique element is, as the person develops, it grows and grows and grows. And it manifests more and more deeply and it's, and it's more and more guided and, 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 and like fine wine, it gets... It gets it gets uh, um, um, more and more precious. So, from the day that that soul is born, says Rabbi Nachman, imagine another kind of thing, but there are countless examples here. Rabbi Nachman just uses two. The example of a chacham, of, a, of an intelligent, a wise soul, and the example of an malchus, a royal soul, a soul with influence. And there are many, many, many different, again, thousands of different examples of this because each soul has its own unique element. But says Rabbi Nachman, when a soul of Malchus comes into the world, whatever that means, whatever that is, 
in whatever way that that malchus, that sovereignty, is going to manifest. Again, it has an impact on the entire structural or conceptual structure of this thing called malchus. Whatever it is, in whatever era, governments, politics, um, um, you know, different, different transactions between nations, foreign relations, something changes because this soul of Malchus came into the world. How greatly does it change? So obviously it cannot be that every soul that comes to the world now has this cataclysmic and seismic impact on whole, on whole, uh, on, on whole um, industries, right, of one way or another. But that's only because it's being balanced by all of the other elements, and so I'm going to try to get this nuanced point across. It isn't that each soul's impact is so little that it, it hardly makes a, 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 a you know a blip, so to speak. I'm like, okay, you know, it's a soul of Malchus that has some impact, but we're not able to tell what it is because it's so slight. No, 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 it's not so slight. It's infinitely atomic in power. And the only reason that we don't see the impact is because at the very same time, it's being balanced by all the other atomic forces within creation. So it's like relativity in a sense, right? It, it, it's traveling at tremendous speed, but everything else is traveling alongside with it. And so it doesn't look like it's moving type of thing, but it, it's hurtling along, right? So it's the same kind of concept. When we speak about the impact that a soul has, Hashem keeps the whole world in what's called in Kabbalistic terminology, a maskala. There's a tremendous balance of all different kinds of forces. This is the system of the spheros, chesed, and gvura. So what? Chesed is not chesed, gvura is not gvura. They're both, but they, but they balance each other out. And Hashem keeps this balance. Hashem keeps this balance, this precise balance. But we have no inkling of the absolutely like I'm using this word, atomic, nuclear, explosive levels of, of power of a, of a tiny little baby and the soul that it contains within it, which even though, again, the body has not yet developed to the point where it's, it's able to allow the soul to reveal itself, the soul is fully there, fully there, fully functional. And then as it grows older, so the soul develops. And, this, and yeah, the soul also has a journey. It's true, katnos and godless, and, and, and the soul also develops. But ultimately, in its essence, with all of its kochos anefesh, it's already there. And then we stand back like a seed that we plant, and we see, slowly but truly, from the seed, something develops. So where was that first? It wasn't here in Olam Azeh, but it, it existed within the seed. It was all there. And so that's the same way when we look at a human being, we look at children, we look at babies, infants. We have to appreciate what this is. And again, two premises for this point. Number one, it has something to share. And number two, it is already having its impact just by virtue of being here. It becomes part of that great, we'll use that word again, an Aramaic word, maskala. It's part of that great balance, that great, great revelation of Hashem in, in, in the physical realm. Okay, when it comes to that element of wisdom, it gets very specific. What kind of uh, a chacham will this person be? Will this person be a chacham in, 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 in Torah? Will this person be a chacham in 
um, you know, in, in, in the Chachmas of Olam Azeh, the sciences, the mathematics, will a person be street smart? Will a person, what, what kind of Chacham will he be? So, when that soul comes to the world, there is a rise, there's a, there's a strengthening in quality of that whole, again, concept of whatever it is that that soul is going to excel in. The moment that that soul is born into the world. So the same thing for the other example. The same thing applies. If this person is going to contribute to a positive state of Malchus, which means just, fair, humble, recognizing the true Malchus, the Melech Malchiam Lachem, the King of Kings, so that contributes and that strengthens the energy of positivity. Or Chas Shalom, the opposite. And this means to say that each and every one of us throughout our lives, we have to appreciate the incredible influence that we have through our choices. And there are a number of Mamar Chazal that hint to this. Um, for example, there's one Mamar Chazal that teaches that a person should always see the entire world as being completely balanced, which it is, balanced, maskala, chetzi zechuyas and chetzi chov. Exactly half. Half positive and exactly half negative and you are being machria. Each step that you take, each choice that you make, you are contributing to the to the balance of the world one way or another. And again, the, the incredible thing is the world will balance itself out anyway, not itself. Hashem is, 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 is it's called Hanagas HaYichud. Hashem is constantly um, self-correcting the system, so to speak. But the entire weight of creation is paradoxically on each and every one of us, each and every moment. I know it sounds very intense. Obviously, it has to be balanced with a whole lot of compassion and so on and so forth, but it's real. It's really real on whatever whatever level. It's mamish real. Our choices matter. The smallest, smallest, tiniest expressions of positivity or chasvashal negativity cause tidal waves of impact. They call it the butterfly effect. Even in the Olam Agashmi, they're able to see a butterfly. I think they did some studies. A butterfly flaps its wings in one place and no energy is lost. It just transmutes. It moves to another form and, and, and it has an impact thousands and thousands of miles away. We have no hasaga, we have no concept of the impact of our actions and the ways in which everything is interconnected. Everything is interconnected. And there's a great balance. And you and I are called upon to preserve the balance, but even more than that, to contribute to the side of positivity. And so this is a very powerful thing. I think it's also aligned with the Mamre Chazal that says that each and every one of us needs to say, Bishvili Nivra the whole world was created just for me. That means that take everyone else out of the equation, this is where the show is, that like the spotlight is on each and every one of us. And again, given the dynamic of the system where everything is balanced, that's the fact, that's the truth. Understand? So even though there are other people, the truth is if everybody is impacting and Hashem has a whole balance with everybody, then Viter goes back, it just it raises the stage, so to speak. But, it, but everyone is still standing there capable of making the decisive impact by virtue of their thoughts, by virtue of their words, by virtue of their actions. We cannot chas sell ourselves short. 
cannot sell ourselves short. We have to recognize mamish. And it doesn't have to be, I just want to stress, it doesn't have to be something that looks overtly on the outside like a great accomplishment. Sometimes lahepech. Sometimes lahepech. Sometimes it's the opposite. Just the smallest, smallest thing. Ledugma a person's driving down the street. And you think about Hashem when you're driving down the street. You're alone in the car, you talk to Hashem. And you just remind Hashem that uh, you're not falling for the great illusion of, of Olam Hazeh. You're, you're conscious of Him. And you're yearning to connect with Him. And you're davening that you should have whatever kind of success is necessary for you on that particular day to serve, to serve Hashem better. What an impact on creation that has after 120, if we're privileged, maybe on the highest highest levels of Ganeda, and we spoke a little bit last night, uh, may, maybe you'll get a taste of what of what that did for all of creation. Just that one minute, that one minute, we sell ourselves short. We don't recognize, we don't realize, and even beyond that, if we do believe that there is tremendous power that the human being has to influence all of creation, we we say, okay, but that's really for the great people. That's for the tzaddikim, that's for the rabbanim, that's for the gedolim and the big rabbitsons. And it's mamish, again, I just want to stress, in a certain aspect, it is not just not the case, meaning it's not, it's not just that no, you are also part of it. In a certain sense, it is the, it's, it's the opposite. Olam hafuch ra'isi. It's the simple people, quote unquote, however simple we are. It's the simple people who, the, the regular people, so to speak, the people who are, are, are knee-deep in Olam Hazeh with, 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 with battling with difficult midos and going through the mundane days and taking care of children and taking care of business matters and taking care of just the Olam Hazeh, that from that place you're able to move an inch in the direction of consciousness, in the direction of Dvekus, in the direction of Amuna, in the direction of, 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 of recognizing there's more to life than meets the eye. That's the greatest, greatest giloy, the greatest revelation. It was the worth the whole world being brought into existence just for that moment. So what great mitzvah do you do? First of all, men, right? Amun is a mitzvah de Arisa in a number of places. Tveikos is a mitzvah de Arisa in a number of places. Meaning there are numerous sources for all these things. It's a very great mitzvah indeed. Especially when there's Avas Hashem involved, Yiras Hashem involved, and so on. Those are all mitzvahs. But aside from that, it, it doesn't look like you didn't daven, let's say. You didn't, it's not, I mean, you daven. But in that moment, you're not davening per se. You're not learning per se. You're not doing any overt spiritual mitzvah per se. You're standing by the sink and you're washing dishes. And you look out the window and you say, what a joke. What a joke. What a joke. Then on the one hand, this world seems to hide Hashem and I'm not falling for it. Because I see right through it. Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is everywhere. What a pele. Boom. The whole existence now is different. First of all, because you are a part of it by virtue just of being here, like we said before. Adults, children, babies, infants. But by virtue of you having taken one step to the right, and so to speak, the whole world dances along to the right with you. And that's what Rabbi Nachman is saying over here. Haklal, the general rule is Oisa pa'ula shal Oisa neshama maschelas leisalis miyam bias Oisa neshama lo'olam. Each and every soul, again, just by virtue of being here, out forget now, forget about you know actively express expressing those kochas hanefesh, which each of us need to do. We need to do. We have to really take an inventory and really think about what I'm, you know. People are always asking, how do I know? How do I know what my mission is in the, in this life? 
How do I know what my shlichus is? Nobody wants to miss their shlichus. Everybody wants to do what they were sent to do. And a lot of times it's as simple as looking at what you like to do. What do you enjoy doing? Generally speaking, a person enjoys what they're good at. What do you like? Right? What makes you feel comfortable, good? Some people are really good schmoozers. Find a way to channel that. To Kedusha. Some people are, are incredible artists. They love drawing. Channel that. Some people are interested in cooking. Ch- channel that. Some people have musical talents. Channel that. Every single person is sent to this world with a unique set of, I won't use the word talents because then people make the mistake, I'm not a talented person. A unique set of abilities. And that's just a ubiquitous fact. Every single one of us have a unique, unique set of, of, of capacities. So find a way to channel that. And chas v'shalom, if we're not doing that, and if we are attempting to create a system or a structure or a community where in the name of, uni- of uniformity, we're not encouraging people to develop their talents, so then it's, it's chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom, how much revelation and of, of creativity of holiness um, is being withheld from the world when when people make the mistake of thinking like i've heard you know bali chuva that they they start the chuva process and they really loved playing violin for example but they have to make such a break from their past that they never touch the violin again because now you know whatever it is they're learning all that whatever it is it's a mistake it's a huge mistake you think it's a mistake that hashem made that that person has a talent it's not a mistake right hashem wants something from that person Music is a holy thing. Art is a holy thing. Creativity is a holy thing. Um, everything is potentially holy if we use it as a vessel to reveal the light of the Shekhinah. So each of us needs to be attuned to this. What is the pu'ula of my neshama? And if I do that, so then I have the impact on the world that I was intended to have. We have the impact on the world that each of us uniquely was intended to have. And then as we go through life, and hopefully in greater and greater stages, we're able to deepen and we're able to broaden and we're able to, you know, to, to, to increase this revelation in quality and quantity, that energy continues to grow and grow and grow and, and impact the whole system like we described at length earlier in greater and greater and greater measure. Okay, so that's really like sort of part one of this sikh. Like I mentioned earlier, there are three different, so to speak, three different teachings here. That's teaching number one. Teaching number two is related because we're speaking about a person going through life and a certain part of their of their presence, right? A certain part of their being increasing as they go through life. So once Rabbi Nachman is speaking about that, he sort of segues into the next topic, which is as follows. And a person's life can be divided into three stages. There's Yimei Aliyah, there are the days of literally ascension. And so I think on a simple level, what this means is it's referring to a person's birth and then through childhood years, adolescence, all the way until they reach the pinnacle of their powers, of their physical strength and their mental strength, their emotional capacities. So that's Yimei Aliyah. And then there are the Yimei Amida, there are, then there's just experiencing that. And then the Yimei Rida, 
And then toward the end of the person's life, things start to devolve in certain senses. Hopefully, Be'ezus Hashem, we should all be lucid and, ha- and happy and healthy, good until 120, and we know many, many cases that are like that. But generally speaking, at least physically, certainly not spiritually, possibly emotionally, but certainly physically, things begin to decline. That's just a fact. General, general fact, right? So, if a person's life is going to be like, David HaMelech says in Tehillim, 70 years, or if a person has special strength, 80 years, so we take the 80 years and we divide it into three. The first third is going to be what's called Yemei Aliyah, rising. Then, once the person is fully developed, those are Yemei Amida. And then, as a person begins to turn toward that, that, that journey home. A third of the days a person's going up with all of his strength. Again, that middle third a person's just there. And then a third is, is days of Yurida. Now, although we presented this, and I think this is the most accurate representation, um, or rather presentation of Rabbi Nachman's words, but I think it's possible also to suggest an alternative reading, which doesn't see the thirds divided equally throughout the timeline of the person's life, meaning the birth started, you know, the, the, the first, a third of you, Aliyah starting at birth and then going up. And then when we hit the middle stage, then it's Yimei Amida, and then it begins to, to, you know, the landing, so to speak, the last third of the person's life ending at death. But maybe it's possible to suggest, especially in our generation, where each of us are on such a, a, a roller coaster of spiritual feeling and emotion and struggle, and, and, and it's so intense to be alive in, in our time. Everything is so fast. Everything is sped up, and, and we hardly have time to process one thing before we're thrust into the next. Everything is moving at cataclysmic speeds. So maybe it's possible to suggest that these three stages are interpolated. Meaning, it's not a third, a third, and a third. But it's that when taken, when life, rather, is taken as a whole, it turns out that a third of those days were days of Aliyah. And a third of those days, wherever they show up, were just days of, like, maintenance. And then, yeah, there are going to be also days of Eureka. And that when a person looks at the whole thing, it's roughly a third. A third, a third, a third. Now, the reason this is a radical interpretation is because that, that, that seems pretty dismal and that pre- it seems pretty, pretty sad, you know, that a full third of our life, you know, paralleling the days of Aliyah um, should be Yemei Yurida. And on the other hand, it doesn't necessarily, so to speak, have to be that way. But, um, but there's, a certain, there's a certain comfort in that, you know, to know that like, this, is, this is the way of life. Perfection is not the ideal. And according to either interpretation, there's going to be a, a large, sizable segment of our human experience, which is on some level a urethra. Whether, like we said, in the less radical first interpretation, a physical down, you know, uh, um, um, devolve, devolving or, 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 or losing our strength, or whether it's spiritual slash, slash, slash emotional, um, that's part of life. And being part of life, if life is to be seen as avodas Hashem, all of life, then then there's a sizable segment 
of our experience, which is called Yemei Yerida, of one kind or another, that is also part of Avodah Hashem. So that's another reading of, of this understanding. Three kinds of days in a person's life, either a day of Aliyah, or a day of Amida, or Chas V'Shalom, a day of Yerida. Rabbi Nachman continues, Yemei Amida hi bimilua, the days of Amida, like we said before, is when a person is bimilua in the fullness of his or her strength. Everything is complete. And again, this sounds very much like the first interpretation. And this parallels the journey of the moon. The journey of the moon. Which journey of the moon? We're speaking about the monthly journey. Which is an incredible thing. Because we know that Am Yisrael, our Nimshal Lilavana, Am Yisrael, are comparable to the moon. Unlike the other nations of the world, we count our, 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 our calendar as a lunar calendar. We follow after the moon. In a spiritual sense, the, 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 the mystical meaning of what the moon is is synonymous with the Jewish nation, the Shechina, a reflector of the light of the sun, which of course is a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's life, energy, force, and source that becomes reflected, hopefully, if we're doing an adequate job of being ready vessels for His light. We are the, we are the moon. We're supposed to reflect His light to the nations of the world. We're supposed to reflect His light in creation. So we have a very deep connection to the moon. And this is the monthly cycle. When the month begins and it's a brand new moon, it starts very small. And of course, the moon doesn't shrink or rise, right? But in terms of our capacity to see the moon, because it's reflecting that much of the sun, that much of it is lit up. And then it starts to grow fuller and fuller and fuller as it moves toward the sun. Vinigdelis and it grows, the light grows and grows and grows as the month reaches the fifteenth, the peak. until it moves opposite the sun, when it's fully illuminated. That's what we call the full moon, the fifteenth of the month. And then it stops. And on the fifteenth of the month, this is the aspect of the fully lit up, the, the, the fully manifested energy, the power of the moon which reflects again for each of us in our lives that segment of time, whether it's literally, the, you know, the, like we said, the middle point of a person's life or those days when a person is just, you know, there, full. And then it starts to go further down. And it descends and it shrinks in size until it reaches the end of the month. The beginning of the new month and the cycle begins again. The moon has a lot to do with moisture, which is interesting because the moon is really, even physically, but the moon is like a like a rock, right? But what does he mean? The moon has what to do with moisture, because the moon impacts the tide, and even though again science has availed us the information that the moon doesn't actually influence the tide, gravity influences the tide, and that the sun has just as much of an impact on on the tide as the as the moon does in a certain sense, but the moon has a much more frequent and a much more powerful um, effect on the tide because of its proximity to earth. 
Uskulas Arvali Hilachluchas Falken Hayam Meis Moilat Alavana Maskala Alois. So therefore, from the time that the moon begins to grow, the tide begins to rise. Pulled by the moon. Ulagbiya Atzma Lamala Lamala, swelling, growing bigger and bigger. And then it goes down again. And then it goes down again. And this is the Indian of a person's life. There's a great swelling up as a person gets older, as a person develops. And everything that exists on the macro, meaning for a year, exists also on a micro. Just keeps on repeating again and again and again. You zoom in. The same is true for what's true for a year is true for a month. What's true for a month, I'm sorry, what's true for a lifetime is true for a year. What's true for a year is true for a month. What's true for a month is true for a day. What's true for a day is true for an hour and so on and so forth. And so this is a process that we go through all the time. And a person needs to check in with themselves. Where am I? Where am I holding? And then, and I mentioned this before in Shiurim, perhaps the sum total of the teaching of the Balshentov can be summed up into these two words from this standpoint is, is Kiddush Halavana. Kiddush Lavana, to sanctify the moon, meaning to sanctify the journey, meaning to look at every single experience however into it we feel that we are, however little cheshek we feel that we have, however um, not interested, however frustrated, however uh, despairing, however ecstatically joyous, whatever we're feeling, we're mekadesh that. Meaning, we as a nation of people who are comparable to the moon in its journey, who count after the moon, a people who sanctify the moon means to say that we're able to look at the sum total of this journey, which includes both the high tide and the low tide, which includes both the fullness and the emptiness to the point of complete obscurity as it is on the first of the month. And we say, this is holy. This is, this is a revelation of holiness. There's an avoda here. In every situation, every circumstance, there's an avoda here. There's something to be accomplished. There's something to do. There's something I can do. There's a way to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu here. Now, how am I supposed to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu at a time when I feel completely parched? At a time when I have no interest? At a time when I don't have any energy? At a time... Recognize Him. Rabbi Nachman gave us the tools. It's called Aye. The twelfth lesson in the Kutumran Tinyan in the second volume. Aye. On the contrary, you can reveal, like we said before, the simple people can in a certain way impact the world even more than the great people. Because they're able to reveal Hashem's light in a way that the great Gedolim never could. In their own unique way. Specifically lower down in the lower strata of existence. There Rabbi Nachman says that Geirim, who draw close, bring the greatest Kabbalah to Hashem more than anybody ever did. And it's not Rabbi Nachman's teachings, it's the, uh, teaching, it's the Zohar's teaching about Yisro. Kad Asa Yisro, the, the, the Zohar Kodesh says. When Yisro drew forth from having been involved in polytheistic idol worship of every variety, and when he recognized, wow, there's really just one being, one being who unifies everything from whom everything comes forth, Kad Asa Yisro, Ba'amar, when Yisro came and said, Ati Adati Gadal Hashem, now I know 
that Hashem is great says the Zohar Kodesh Kedenes Yaakov is Allah Shema Ila I'm not reading from, from over here I'm just telling you from Torah Yud Hashem's name, Hashem's presence had the greatest, greatest elevation ever possible. And maybe even it's possible to say, and I've been thinking so much about this recently and speaking a lot about it. I'm hinting here and there a little bit about it. Maybe it's possible to suggest that even more than the Geirin are people who stay non-Jews but who leave aside paganism of one form or another or secularism and join what's called the Noahide um, covenant. They stay non-Jews. They become Geirin. But they're people who want to be a part of this great Tikkun that we're hurtling toward. And the question is, how much are we going to actively be a part of it? Or how much are we going to continue to sit back and wait for things to happen? Psukim. Means the universal vision of Olam Haba doesn't include everyone becoming Jewish. The Chinese will still be the Chinese, the Japanese will still be the Japanese. We're not always so sure what to, what's different between the two here in the West, but presumably they're very different, right? Um, and the Russians will still be the Russians. And the. Um, Canadians will still be the Canadians and every nation with its own unique light and its own unique culture and its own unique consciousness will, will stay that way. We have no problem with that. We want to bring them to, to realize our creator, our creator, because the God of the Jews is not the God of the Jews. He's the God of the whole entire world. He's Melech, Malchim, Lachim. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's, um, the creator of all, the Borei Kol, the Ribono Shel Olam, the, the creator and the master of the whole world. And so when that starts to settle in, and we understand why HaKadosh Baruch Hu needed this world in the first place was a dir b'tachtonim, then maybe in a certain sense that is the ultimate, ultimate revelation, the ultimate, the ultimate. Unbelievable. And that's where we're headed. And that's where we're at. That's the last frontier now. We need to begin to develop a theology that includes not just Jews, but includes everyone. That has room for everyone, space for everyone. It's a very, very deep avoda now. At this moment in history. When we have the tools to reach the whole world. And we are on the world stage. The, the, the eyes of the world are on us in a way that never was in the past. And we have to have messaging that's relevant to them. And we do. And we do. And we'll speak more about this as a Hashem in future, future classes. A little bit of a, of a shift in direction. But be that as it may, coming back to this Nakuda, coming back to this point, in those days of Katnus, those days of limitation, those days of Eureka, we're, we're able to point a finger and say, there's a way of revealing Hashem's presence in a time when I don't feel anything. Maybe even, I wouldn't say more than, but uniquely, or unique from, distinct from, in a different way than when it's a time of Aliyah. And the way to do that is just by remembering there is a Hashem. And sometimes the pain of feeling distant from Hashem, 
the pain of feeling Hashem's absence and yearning for His love again is a great, great tikkun. It's a great, that itself is a revelation. That itself, Rabbi Nachman describes, he describes the process in a great depth. In that moment is a giloy of the highest, highest energy, the highest spiritual energy. And the sort of tachlis, yurida, uh, uh, it becomes tachlis halia. That descent into the place, boom, like a boomerang, like a rubber band, pulls all the way, all the way back down. And then if we activate what needs to be activated in that place, whew, straight back, straight back up. And all the gates open and everything changes. A person has to be equipped with spiritual weaponry, inner weaponry. Person has to be equipped with the right perspectives. Person has to be equipped with courage. A person has to be equipped with the guidance of tzaddikim who took this path before us. And then, when a person has all of this, so then the world is in your palm. The world is uh, is our canvas upon which we are drawing the most glorious, glorious representation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence. So that's uh, point number two. And finally, Rabbi Nachman says here an interesting thing that really does connect very much to what I was just talking about a minute ago, which is a much bigger sugya. Maybe we'll address it more in future shirin. But Rabbi Nachman says, Veda, a third teaching a person should know, barabim, that words that are spoken colloquially, expressions, things that people speak about, what human beings are preoccupied with, the more that people speak, things become sweetened, things become clarified. And it's a very, very deep concept. It's a very, very deep concept, and it involves the question of truth, which is something that all of us are are stumbling over and around and and. and struggling with to like well, what is true anymore you know like after after just affront after affront after affront to the systems that we relied on for truth or those of us who are still relying on news outlets for example for truth all of a sudden today with social media and different perspectives and all these different experiences the society's been experiencing over the last couple of years in high profile case after high profile of case we start questioning everything like nobody really knows anything anymore what is true and so there's a certain way in which truth, on the contrary, isn't challenged by a plurality of perspectives. But on the contrary, the polarity of perspectives all combine to create a much more nuanced truth. This itself is a revelation of a Kurdish Baruch Hu in the world, because a Kurdish Baruch Hu is the sum total of all existence, and existence turns out to be incredibly complicated. But that doesn't negate truth. That just reveals what, what exists within it which is nuance, which is shade after shade after shade after shade. And it might be more difficult for us because all of us would like to put the whole world into very neat little boxes and stay in our little ghetto and just believe what we want to believe and, uh, and, and just ignore any piece of information that conflicts with what we'd like to believe about the world. But that's not MS. That's not MS. And I've said this so many times in the past. That's why the word MS is made out of three letters. Say it again. Aleph, Mem, and Tuf. Aleph being the first letter of the Aleph base, Tuf being the last letter of the Aleph base, Mem being the middle letter of the Aleph base, and the Aleph base not being letters. You understand? The Aleph base being the sum total of all of the code that the entirety of creation is built out of. That means to say 
that truth, Aleph Mem Tav, is the broadest possible spanning of, 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 of layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. And even that truth is relative to our experience of Eitzah Das Tovara, not to the Eitzah Chaim. That's a separate conversation, just giving a little bit to think about uh, headlines, so to speak. So as things get spoken about, and as issues get dealt with, and as we learn more about the world, learn more about people, people learn more about each other. Rabbi Nachman speaks about that in Torah Chavzayim, which is an incredibly radical and beautiful and forward-thinking teaching that does go uh, a long way along the road that I started mentioning before about reaching the world. Rabbi Nachman speaks about this explicitly in a way that you're hard-pressed to find other tzaddikim speaking. Rabbi Nachman was this visionary... He said, his fire is, is, is burning till the very, very, very end. And so he saw where things needed to go. So Rabbi Nachman speaks about that. But over here, all the while that humanity is addressing, is producing different concepts, this becomes part of our Torah. Many times throughout the Gemara, you have expressions. Hainu da Amri applied to very holy and, and deep and, and mystical, philosophical, agadic and, and halachic uh, conversations. And they brought an expression that people say in the street. And they brought it into Torah. Hainu da Amri Inchi. Shein diburim shalgayim. Which are just bits of wisdom of the, of the nations of the world. But when we go through the process of finding those sparks of value, and then we bring it into our theology, they get sweetened. And we see them as being very elevated, lofty things. It's a huge, huge topic. But it's incredibly important because what sits at the core of this is a challenge to unfortunately what's become a traditional, almost universal perspective on the non-Jewish world that is incredibly, incredibly um, antithetical to our doctrines of of Tzalem Elohim, to our doctrines of, of, of really appreciating humanity. Really appreciating humanity. And so it's a fine balance because we want to put borders and we have to and we have to understand what makes us unique and we have to understand why we are a particularist nation. We have, to, we have to understand all of that. But two things can be true at once. And the other thing that is true at once is at the same time as we have all of those psukim in liturgy, we have so many other Sukkim, most of them related to the coming revolution, to the coming age that describes all of humanity getting together like another Pasuk in Chabakuk for everyone to come to, to, to serve Hashem together. Remember the second paragraph in Elenu L'Shabach. The second paragraph in Elenu L'Shabach is L'Sakin O'Yulam B'Malchus Shakai. Right? That everything should be rectified. V'chol B'nei Basar Yikr that's our vision. We can't lead them away. That <laughs> they're a part of it. We can't just pretend like they don't matter and we just live in our own, you know, Lakewood and, and Barra Park and Muncie and, and just tag with the world. Can't be. It can't be. Or else we're not doing our mission. 
Our mission is to be an or lagoyim. So that means to say that we have to find a way of building bridges in a, in a healthy way, in a sensible way, in a very deep way. And this, again, there's a, there's a long tires about this. And there are certain Sadiqim that believed very much in this mission, the Lubavitch Rebbe among them, right? And even the Lubavitch Hasidim haven't really done the adequate work of going out and teaching the, the Sheba Mitzvah Spenya Noach, one of which is Emuna, which contains thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of clarification that is really information that every human being needs to know. But we haven't done this work. And I'll just say one tiny more thing, because a, a little bit I started opening the topic, and then we'll finish. Some of the reason that people argue against this kind of work is like, don't we have enough work to do in our own communities? All right, meaning like, you know, who has time? We have to focus on our own. We, we have to focus on our on educating our youth and our children. We just, we can't do everything. It's just like triage, you know, like we, we, we only have so much time. And I want to suggest that, that, that to the contrary. I want to suggest that perhaps there's no greater strategy for inspiring the youth and inspiring the masses than speaking the language of a universal mission. And that in so doing, and empowering and teaching from a young age that we have this mission, not, not simply it's not, not a religion and it's not a ritual, it's like there's a p- big picture here and we, and we have the tools that it takes. I think it, it's Hainu Hach. This is the strongest form um, of, of, of education. But this is not, it's not something different. This is part of what's necessary uh, to, to, to foster communities that are hyper-focused, that are educated, that are articulate, that are clear, that are caring, that are compassionate, that are sensitive, that are deep, that are honest, that are open, that are broad, that are redemptive. One doesn't have to come to the expense of the other. On the contrary, they'll strengthen each other. So that's what Ibn Nachman is speaking about over here. Got to be able to look out and recognize there's value, there's value, there's value. And it's not something that's completely different. Chachma bagayim tamin. Chachma, there's, there's, there can be wisdom there. And then when we see that wisdom, we're able to elevate it. We're able to cleanse it as, Jew, as Judaism always has been able to hold on to the point that any slight tinge of paganism, we can't handle. So we have to continue Avram Avinu's work, which was Yitzchak Avinu's work, which was Yaakov Avinu's work, which is to help the world cleanse itself from paganism. Not to turn them into us. We don't missionize. It's not our thing. But to help to introduce the world to a much deeper perspective on living. We'll finish this. This is the aspect. This is the aspect of ocean water, seawater. is very, very salty. Can't drink it. But when that seawater filters through the through mountains of, of sand or dust, the salt gets filtered out, and there's a lot of value that we could use, we could all use, universal value. And Am Yisrael are, of course, nim, Nimshal were, com- were compared both to the stars of the sky, but also to the sand of the sea, of the beaches. And in this sense, it's a metaphor, all of the different traditions of the world need to flow through a clear, conscious, lucid, activated Am Yisrael. And when it does, we'll help them to filter out all of the stuff that's that it's just not and we'll have the language with which to do that and the compassion and the care to build bridges so that people feel 
respected and that they're spaced. They don't feel like you're trying to convert them or you're trying nothing like that. It's for them, and we want them to preserve their culture. We don't want to change anyone. We don't want chas v'shalom. They need to be what they are. Hashem needs Japanese people in the world. They have to be what they are. But we're going to help to filter out all the lowliness, the dregs. We can sweeten that water. It's good water. It just needs to be filtered. And then you can really drink. And Rabbi Nachman didn't reveal further because this is the greatest, greatest secret of all secrets. And I'm telling you, friends, this is what the next the next phase. This is the next phase, and um, and there's more to be said about this topic. I've been hinting to it and sharing a little bit, and now I'm speaking about it a little bit more. But I can tell you that there's something happening to those chaver that really care about Geula, where a lot of work is being done in this in this regard, and a lot of a lot of new thinking, a lot of fresh thinking, in ways that we we didn't think a thousand years ago in Gullus. Now, as we get closer and closer to the Gula, we see what's happening in the world. We have to go on the offense. The world is desperately waiting for us. First, we have to wake up. As a nation, we have to wake up. And part of waking up is recognizing our mission. And part of recognizing our mission is recognizing our value. There's a lot of healing that has to happen. But as a Hashem, we're going to get there. But this is a huge part of it. And we have the sources from our tzaddik, our guide, our visionary messianic thinker, Rabbi Nachman, who saw it all 280, 300 years ago, and um, and we're a part of it. So, if anybody's interested in, in hearing a little bit more, feel free to reach out. And I'm um, happy to discuss all of this and much, much more. And what a privilege to be learning these teachings together. So again, three teachings. Number one, you're powerful, and we have to reveal that. Number two, to recognize there's a way of revealing Hashem's presence, Kiddush Levana, and the Yemei Aliyah, the Yemei Amida, and the Yemei Irida. And finally, we have to start thinking in a broad way, to care, really care about the world, because we care about Hashem, and this is Hashem's world. And um, we have to start moving even more quickly toward the Gula. We should see it continue to unfold before our eyes. V'sechazen e'neinu, v'shuvcha, l'tziyayin, v'rachamin. Be'ezus Hashem. Thank you so much.